Hello and welcome to Walk the Talk, our version of a podcast where you walk if you want to while we do the talking. Yes, we don't want to be adding to your virtual fatigue. So if you're up, up for it, plug in your earphones and listen while you take us for a walk. So I'm Sarah, one of the co-founders and coaches at Point3 Wellbeing, and I'll be hosting today's Walk the Talk, the next in our series aimed at HR professionals, business leaders, and anyone interested in the mental health and well-being of people in the workplace. And I'm delighted today to be chatting to Adam Jones, CEO of Venn Media, who have recently launched a remote first online community. And a little bit about Adam. So Adam is a passionate remote first advocate who's launched several successful businesses around how technology can create meaningful and positive connections specifically within the events industry. And in Adam's words, none of these businesses would have been possible or successful without a remote first approach. So Adam is extremely well placed to talk to us today about the subject of how to remote work well. And it's a pleasure to be chatting to Adam as we have previously worked together in the world of events. So welcome, Adam. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's great to get uh, into this conversation. But before we do so, a, a bit of scene setting, if I may. So the pandemic has presented organisations and individuals with an opportunity to rethink and reimagine how we have always done things, including how we work and how we collaborate in the most effective way for our people and our organizations. So hence today's conversation about how to remote work well. And this conversation is timely given last week's news from Deloitte when their CEO announced that they will be, uh, they won't make it compulsory for employees to work for a set number of days from the office or specific locations. So kind of defining a new type of flexible working if you like. Now, this is not necessarily the right approach for all businesses. I do want to just uh, say that up front. Of course, this decision will be dependent on the culture, on the organization and on the industry and what's right for, for it. But we feel it's an important conversation to be having and to understand how mental health and well-being sits at the heart of the discussion. So on to today's conversation. Firstly, Adam, can you explain what is remote first working? Um, so remote first, actually, funny enough, it's, it's two things. Um, it's our brand name. Um, we chose that brand name because we, we believe in, in what it stands for. It's also a, a specific terminology for an organizational strategy where first and foremost, it's about employee flexibility. So it's not anti-office. Um, you build an office into the strategy, but the office has a slightly different purpose. Um, but it gives employees the flexibility to work from home or work from the office if they want to. But it's that choice that's so important. Um, and it, it means that you can build an office around uh, collaboration, communication, brand engagement, um, rather than a place to primarily work. Um, 
And that's, it's an approach that I believe in. Um, and it's the reason why we set up the community because one of the things you did in the intro, one of the things you said in the intro was about me not being able to have started those businesses without it. Um, and I truly believe I wouldn't have been able to. Um, I'm not an entrepreneur that was backed by rich parents. I had to use every pound very wisely and not having to spend it on an office in the early days was, was very important. Um, and finally, when I did, uh, did build a business up to a point where I could afford an office, the office wasn't where people worked from primarily. It was where we collaborated on ideas. It was where we invited customers to, to meet the team. So, um, I truly believe those those businesses were successful because they had that foundation built on remote first. And to be honest, at the time, it wasn't even a defined strategy. It was just what we did to survive. So, yeah. Interesting. Well, I love that, um, particularly what you sort of said there about it. It's sort of not anti anti office. Um, it's kind of rethinking how the office space is used and being perhaps a bit more intentional with it. So a place to interact, to collaborate, to learn. Um, okay, so what are the, the challenges perceived or otherwise um, and the opportunities with, with remote first working? Um, so I'd probably the, I'll tackle the, the stigma first because okay. um, there, there is a stigma associated with with homeworking specifically. Um, and I, I, I experienced this in the first business. We used to hide the fact that we were working remotely. We would have um, telephone numbers that were all kind of patched to look like they were an office space. We would transfer calls between each other, but we'd do everything in our powers to, on the front end in the shop window, make it appear that we were working in an office mm -hmm. because as soon as people believed that we weren't, it, it almost undermined our business. Um, so there was a there was a stigma on that front. So as a business leader, we tried to hide it. I don't think we need to hide it anymore. Um, I think the realization that you can be a very, very efficient business in a remote first environment, as shown by the decisions made by Deloitte, as you mentioned, and Google and Microsoft. Um, the, the, the other challenge is really I find a kind of how you nurture your younger staff. And this this is always a, a concern for me. And this is where I think the office comes into play. Um, I see the office purpose changing from being a place of work to more of a, a university campus mm -hmm. um, where new staff can be tutored understand the job, understand the business, understand the customer, understand the vision and, and what the business stands for, giving them that launch pad to then be successful to make that choice on whether to work from home or whether to work from the office. Um, the other challenges I, I hear quite a lot are, um, how do you measure performance? Mm -hmm. If you can't see someone working, how do you know they're working? And that's, that's an easy one for me. Um, you measure different roles with, with different methods, but a sales role, for example, is, is a very easy role to measure performance. And I've seen, I've seen sales performance reduce in a, a working from home environment. Um, a lot of salespeople need that buzz around them and that excitement, that 
competitive streak to it. Um, but that's not for every salesperson. Some salespeople like to be methodical. They like quiet. And again, it comes back to that choice. If you want that buzz, go to the office, collaborate with team members in a sales environment. Um, but I also I see a lot of sales managers jump to the conclusion that it's remote working that is what makes that and creates that negative impact. Actually, it may not be. It may be the systems and processes. Yes, you're working from home. Therefore, you need to tweak the business model. You might need to tweak the software that you're using, the reporting that you're using to reintroduce that competitive nature, league tables, almost turn it into a game environment where you're competing against your colleagues um, virtually. So I think what I would say from a, a sales perspective, yes, um, you might get an initial drop, but you can combat it through other ways and forcing people back into the office and creating that, that challenge. And then the, the other element is people misinterpreting remote first working with lockdown working. Yeah. I think everybody suffered during lockdown. Um, I, I had the, the, the kind of pleasure of working remote first before before kind of everybody started doing it as a consequence to COVID and I knew the benefits that were there. I could work from a coffee shop one day, I could work from Spain the other day and had the freedom to work wherever I want and that flexibility was was really important especially kind of trying to work around family and, and friends and um, I, I think that's the other misconception is what we're experiencing right now is not remote working. Um, it really isn't. It's the cause of the cut of, of the pandemic. Um, so th those are kind of the challenges, I think. And, and what about um, the opportunities? Opportunities are huge. Um, I, I think the savings that you can make by not having so many offices, such a big office space, can be put into more um, more exciting areas of the business, um, tutoring, um, working from like be creating better environments at home for your staff so they're, they're more comfortable. I think one thing I, I'm seeing with a lot of bigger businesses, they're actually reducing the amount they spend on car allowances and spending it more on home office upgrades um, to make that working environment more effective. I also see from my team as well, they have been more effective in a, in a remote first strategy. Um, the output has been huge. And again, I'm coming back to my earlier points about how you measure different teams. Mm. My development team work on, on points, on a point basis, um, and we can monitor their their effectiveness in, in that way, it's output, um, where the output has increased um, rather than the attendance. And I think there's, there's the, the miss, the, the, the worst way to measure performance and, and success is by attendance. I think that's yeah. the other thing is, is well, the we talked attendance. about that before, didn't we? Sort of presenteeism does not equate to yeah just turn up that's that's not good enough so i think the the opportunities are huge as long as you as long as you measure the right things i think if you if you if you measure the wrong things you'll never realize the the true potential of a remote first um strategy 
but if you if you fully understand what you should be measuring which is the output and performance and you can do that in lots of different ways for lots of different roles um then the opportunities are huge so cost saving in, increased output um and also staff well-being i yeah. i think um we're just scratching the surface on the powers of employees collaborating together um google's initial strategy was to force people back to the office they quickly changed their mind when a, a large group of their employees turned around to say no we don't want to come back to the office um and i google were a very smart company they changed their strategy very quickly and, and built a, a strategy for it but my my fear is that a lot of companies won't react won't be agile enough to change their strategy and will continue to force employees back into the office and with the increase of remote first companies there's plenty of job op opportunities in those businesses that i think um some top talent will move and um, move around so interesting well yeah i mean i think the, the key there from what you said is is listening to employees and and listening to to what they want and and need um at, at this point in time but i guess there has to be a sweet spot doesn't there between listening to the individuals and then finding um, marrying what works best with with the organization and and its its needs absolutely and then that's why we that's why we started the remote first community because nobody's got it perfect no one ever will um get it perfect because every business is slightly different but the community was built to share knowledge share experience and learn faster um, find out what works from other businesses what doesn't work and, and trying to collaborate as a community will drive this forward much faster um, I think we all know the benefits of remote first it's just how how we do it um, and, and kind of being open-minded um, within the community and also willing to share failure. I think I, I, I've never seen failure as, as failure. I, I see it as an opportunity to learn. If I kind of instill this in my team, if they're not failing, they're not, they're not pushing boundaries. Um, so I think the same is kind of what we try and instill in our communities to share bad experiences because everybody can learn from those. Absolutely. Um, okay, so digging into to some of those kind of challenges and, and opportunities a, a little bit more, um, you know, we've talked a bit there about productivity and actually um, when we chatted before you'd referenced a, um, and there have been a number of kind of studies to show that actually, and I, yes, we're, we're, we're talking about the lockdown kind of remote working, but productivity has been shown to, to be up compared to um, when we uh, are in the office. Um, and obviously, arguably, this is good for the organisation, but perhaps not so good for, for the employee. So, um, you know, that potential for, for burnout is very much there if you aren't disciplined and don't have the kind of um, the good boundaries in place to, to separate sort of your home life and, and your work life when you don't have the kind of um, the physical boundaries or the commute to, to, to um, put that in, in place. Um, so, you know, for example, we hear a lot of people are replacing their commute by working more. So how do we address that in a remote first world to ensure that people's well-being is balanced and maintained 
um, in a, a remote um, and hybrid um, working model? It's a really, really good question, really good point as well. Working hours have increased. So um, a, a big VPN provider have seen that um, typical connection has gone from nine hours per day pre-pandemic to 11 hours per day um, during the pandemic and, and kind of the enforced work from home. And that's that's quite common across most countries, US, um, Canada, UK. Um, it's, it's the opposite in Scandinavian countries. They've actually gone from nine hour average to about seven or eight hours. So theirs is actually reduced, which is, which is interesting. Um, but there are a lot of people that are working longer hours. And actually this was on a personal level, something I really struggled with was mm. when to stop and how to stop. Um, it's, it's, it's slightly different when it's your own business as well, because that adds that kind of extra layer of responsibility where it's your passion, it's your hobby almost. Um, but that was something that I had to work very hard on, kind of creating those boundaries on what I did and what I didn't and trying to introduce very small changes into my life. So uh, not taking my phone to bed because I got in the habit of sitting in bed for an hour, sending emails and, and then before I even woke up and said hello to my wife or good morning to my wife, I'd check my phone for emails. And I think this is a common problem um, that people have. So just a very simple thing I do is just leave my phone downstairs when I go to bed just to stop, my, stop me doing it. Um, but burnout is real. And I think there's a responsibility on, on leaders within businesses to, to set those boundaries, um, to be responsible in email. So when I send an email at nine o'clock um, at night, I make sure that I put in that email, don't reply to me, I'm not expecting and don't want to reply until the morning. Um, because I think most people are diligent people and they want to be seen to be working. And if they don't respond to that nine o'clock email, then it will appear bad. But actually, you've got to instill in your business that actually that is bad. Don't don't reply to me just because I'm working at stupid yeah. o'clock. doesn't mean I want you to work at stupid o'clock. We are working asynchronously almost. Um, and that's even more poignant right now because a lot of the benefits of remote first working are that you don't, you're not necessarily limited by a talent pool within a 10 mile radius. You yeah. can hire across the globe, which means different time zones. And obviously, you know, as well as I do, um, working in an American business, you, you work from seven o'clock in the morning, you get a little lull at three o'clock in the afternoon, all of a sudden the American business comes in and you start a new day almost in the same day. So you're working two days in one and that's, that's a challenge and that's something that's going to grow even more challenging because the US will rely on the UK hours, China will rely on the US hours. So you, you kind of have to manage that and you have to adapt to be able to work asynchronously and set those expectations that, yes, I'm messaging someone in the US, I'm not expecting a response um, and instilling that. But I, it, it's a bigger challenge. I, I often kind of... When you speak to someone about working from home, their initial thought is, oh, yeah, you're watching Netflix or you're watching Jeremy Kyle. That's never been the case for me. And it's not the case for a lot of people I know. Um, and it's a, it was a, a big fear from bosses and managers that 
working from home, people are just going to lay about in their slippers. Um, but the complete opposite is the reality. Most people are burning out because they feel that that responsibility to show that they're working. Um, they go out of their way to really like be more visible. Yeah. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, and that there are ways to overcome that. There, there really are. I know. I know the Labour government are looking at ways to actually, through software, enforce it. That will never work. Um, enforcing it through software, turning email off at a given time, will never work. It 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 needs to be softer than that. It needs to be just instilled within your company um, working. Oh and expectations and leadership really yes no that's interesting and that actually leads quite nicely on to, to this next sort of um question um you know another sort of perceived challenge with kind of this sort of hybrid working model is is maintaining culture and co collaboration um and um you know i think what you were talking there about is you know leaders modeling behavior rather than kind of putting in sort of um, systems to 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 create um, to enforce a behaviour. It is it's more down to to the modelling through the culture. And I know you have some sort of strong views on, on how you create culture and collaboration in a remote first world. So I'd love to to hear a bit more on that. It's culture culture is um, not born out of working in the office or, or working from home. It's I. I often liken it to school days. You, your friends that you made during school and the culture that you created within your year group at school wasn't done in the classroom. It was done at playtime, at lunchtime, after school, and these kind of extracurricular. That's where your memories were made. Mm -hmm. So it's about creating culture separately to kind of the working environment. Um, it's, it's also something that bad culture is, is in lots of companies and my experience has been that nothing impacts negative culture more than a person um and i've also found the higher that person up is uh, up the chain is the worse it can be it can be kind of toxic throughout the business and it's more about the individuals the people in the businesses that generate culture that create culture that create the environment to create culture um, and one thing that we're, we're seeing a lot of is actually using the office to, to kind of do fun things, things that, that aren't work related, um, meetups in different places. So getting people once a year, twice a year out to kind of a, a nice environment, Barbados, for example, where people can actually spend some time together and learn, learn who each other That's are. Nice, isn't it? It's very nice. I mean, you don't have to go that big. I mean, something very, very simple we do is we, we just occasionally play some games um, that that get people to to kind of share more vulnerable things about themselves, to share kind of their personal life. Um, very simple questions like "Where were you born?" which then leads to a conversation, and people people like like to kind of share their past experiences and and i think that's the thing that creates culture is understanding who you're working with and that wasn't solved in an office that's never been solved um i we've worked in businesses where the the culture was toxic and and everything was office based and and that was more from from a leadership perspective that 
generated that that kind of culture of fear and that micromanagement and, and that that's something that would probably be toxic in either a office-based environment or a work a work from home environment so uh, i do think you need to adapt a little bit you need to intentionally kind of set things up to um make your well understand sort of who your team members are get them collaborating and, and getting them to do stuff that isn't work related um we we play we played a game last week that was um picking up something on your desk that has personal meaning to you and sharing it with the rest of the group because it's, it's that vulnerability that you show to someone else and everybody shows to you that creates that connection and creates a, a nice working environment and just on that the Venn media the business that is behind remote first and also um a, a show that we run called london dessert festival um we hadn't met half the team hadn't met each other when we founded that business um we were running for eight months before some of us some of us actually met each other um there's still a couple of people that haven't met face to face um because they're in the us and the other part of the team is in the uk and i would say that we have a very very strong unit a mm. uh, strong team and and great culture um it just needs a small amount of effort and, and a bit of research and again kind of speaking to other people and understanding what works for them um, and trying it uh, is, is a really good good thing to do yeah i love that use of the word sort of intentional it's just it is being much more intentional about how we use um, spaces um, and I heard the other day someone describe kind of um, that on-site is going to become the new off-site <laughs> yeah. yes world um, so that will be the sort of novelty of gathering in the office as opposed to all kind of gathering outside yeah, yeah. And, and we'll probably know better than most obviously being in the events industry how important face-to-face -face is yeah. that kind of tangible um physical kind of connection with people where you're talking face to face shaking hands all these these different things that we're not currently allowed to do but um they are they are things that make connections so again kind of the remote first um strategy is is not about working from home in isolation it's about generating environments where people can meet um but that day-to-day -day commute, that day-to-day -day sat at your desk churning through emails doesn't have to be in the office. So why should it be? Um, I, I've always felt uncomfortable driving for 45 minutes just to sit in front of a, a computer and not talk to anybody because I've got a 200 email churn to get through and then yeah. going back home and leaving, having spoken to three people in, in the day. It's not, it, it doesn't seem right. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's extremely interesting. And and just to pick up something else that you you said there about um, you know how important it is to get to know the people we work with, kind of on sort of on a personal level. You know, we talk about this in our in our training um, because it was very much in you know start of my career. Uh, um, you know that you'd leave your personal life at the door and you come into work and it's kind of you have two hats um and you keep the two very separate but i think actually all the evidence 
now shows that how important it is um, to, to really understand people on a, on a personal level. That's where real true connection and collaboration um, can happen. Yeah. And that vulnerability. Yeah. I completely agree. And it's, I mean, it's a similar ilk to that, that British stiff upper lip mm. that has got us into the, the situation where people don't talk about their feelings and their well-being. Um, it's just something that was instilled in so many people that you never really showed your true self or emotion to a point that it actually caused a huge amount of damage that could have been solved early. Um, so I, I, I've been in those businesses where, yep, don't doesn't matter how bad your day is at home. When you come into office, you, you leave it behind you, and yeah, that's that's not a, that's not conducive to a, a healthy well-being or a healthy culture. Um, so yeah, I mean, if if you've had a bad morning and you decide well, I'm going to sit this one at home because I don't I don't feel like I want to be around other people today. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, this is yours, Joy. And then, yeah, I, yeah, that vulnerability is, is a real, um, a real value to our business. Um, and the more you do it, the more, the more you understand your team and, and when they're effective, when they're not effective, and, and kind of working around the rest of the team. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very, yeah, there's that pressure, isn't there, when you're a leader to, to think you need to have all the answers and, to, to, to know everything and to be that strong kind of figurehead. But actually, you know, I think um, that's not the case. And, and actually to, to be vulnerable is to, to know when you don't and to admit when you don't know the answers and to, to open it up to, to your team to go, look, um, you know, is there someone else that, or what's your thoughts on this? Um, and to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm a real believer in surrounding myself with more talented people than me, um, and and I think if, if you can actually honestly say that, then you're probably a fairly good leader to start with. Um, I, I I've never worked effectively under micromanagement, um, and I don't think many people do. Um, I, I I definitely think um, kind of opening up and showing when you're when, when you need help is is a good thing for the business overall and fundamentally kind of as a business leader you you've got to make a business successful um your ignorance and stubbornness shouldn't get in the way of that um so yeah no. okay so just one final kind of question on sort of perceived challenges um presented by the the sort of the remote working model um, how, how do you ensure that there is kind of no advantage or disadvantage to one group of people over another um, in, in that kind of working model? Um, so how do you ensure kind of access and equity in, in that environment so there's sort of no FOMO? F yeah, F FOMO is a really difficult thing. If you think all of your colleagues are in the office having fun and, and getting opportunities to go up there, the, the ladder in the business then yeah that's that's a worry and there there's there's a real concern around there and, and again it kind of comes from leadership and mm. and um collaboration i i think you a lot of this can be solved through software making sure that you have the right um technology tools to ensure that collaboration is easy chatting is easy and um group meetings so i mean the 
the combination of software, combination of, of just different things like these games, like um, I mean, for, for us, we use Slack and we have a, a coffee break meeting room in in our slack channel where we just we just post these different things that we're doing in the day or or something interesting just to create that kind of opportunity to just have a conversation um out out the blue it replaces that water cooler kind of style discussion that you you have in the office um but it it, it is a challenge and i think it's different for every business and you have to kind of understand ticks and, and work a little bit harder to make sure that on-site and off-site are collaborating together and, and um, communicating when they need to. I I see kind of the, the different age groups wanting different things from remote working and I know kind of it's very difficult for new starters 18 to, to 25. A lot of them don't actually really want to work from home um, they want to be in an office. They want to to learn from others and and kind of almost be nurtured in that business. Um, but when you get kind of to family um, family age and you're building your kind of your, your family three, you want to work from home because you want that flexibility to drop children off and pick them up and and do all those kind of things. So it's it's very different from different age groups. It's, yeah. it, it seems to be very structured to age groups. So if you look at the statistics, it's uh, yeah, a lot of 30 to 50 year olds just want to work from home and then 20 year olds want to work from an office. Um, yeah, well, we saw that in some of the studies um, from particularly from the first lockdown that one, one of the groups to, to really struggle with the sort of the under 25s, you know, probably for a number of reasons, not having kind of the comfort and the home setup that, perhaps um, older colleagues would would have but also yeah I think to your point you know they have different um, kind of aims and aspirations you know they they want to be out and about and uh, a meeting and um, face to face a bit more perhaps yeah and I, I I think the other way the other way to overcome this is is just to make sure you have regular face-to-face check-ins mm. and yeah. even that doesn't have to be in the office um, I I see a lot of people making the mistake of just having meetings in the office, but again, that's it's not it's not a conducive environment to to create culture and um, collaboration and get rid of that fear of missing out. I think pulling people into the office needs to be intentional to get people to um, meet each other and and trust each other. Um, and also, it doesn't actually have to be in the office. Um, one of the things that our, our community members have took, that they talk about meetings, they, they, there are better environments for creativity. So walking around Central Park or sitting in the middle of Central Park, having a, a design strategy meeting had a far greater output than sitting in an office environment where you had two hours to come up with the best idea ever. Um, it's yeah. yeah we're big fans of taking kind of you know like a problem or you know we need to come up with an idea you know on a walk like a walkie talkie if you can do that in person then great but otherwise on on the phone and you know and the um the ideas start to flow yeah being out in nature yep. it's really helpful for creativity yeah absolutely absolutely and you mentioned um systems 
Um, and obviously technology is very much at the heart of, and software is, is a, you know, a big passion of yours. Um, but, you know, Zoom fatigue or uh, virtual fatigue is a thing of the last um, 18 months or so, probably for that, for not being, for us not being intentional with its, with its use. But how do businesses use technology to, to connect remote people in a more meaningful way? Zoom's a blessing and a curse. Um, I think without without Zoom and Microsoft Teams and Google Meets and all, all of the others that are out there, um, this would have been much harder um, getting through the pandemic and having meetings. But I, I, I see people kind of in, mistakenly think that they have to enforce meetings all the time to create collaboration. Actually, that just gets in the way of productivity in my view. Um, and I think there's there are a lot of businesses that are cotton, cottoning on to this. So you have Meeting Free Friday or you can only set Zoom meetings on Mondays um, and kind of having that fixed time that means that people can be creative, they can do their work. But clogging people's days up with meetings for meetings sake is, is, is not a good thing. Um, and actually, to be honest, that, that happened in businesses before the pandemic. I can't tell you how many meetings I've sat in where it could have been a two minute meeting, but ended up being stretched out to an hour. And, and why is that? You, you have to feel like you have to fill that hour. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, one of the things that I do, I, I tend to only put in half hour meetings and if it takes longer, um, then it takes longer. If it's, if it's shorter, great. Um, and we do, because we're a, a development, company as well i run a development company we have daily stand-ups but they're so regimented and fast that most of the time they take no more than six minutes um and it's all about what i did yesterday what i'm going to do today and what my challenges are and it's very structured and it it needs to be coordinated and, and orchestrated in a particular way again kind of very intentional mm. um but i I think Zoom fatigue can can be quickly solved by having someone that really runs that meeting properly, effectively, regardless of whether it's in Zoom or whether it's face-to-face. -face. Um, if you want an outcome, you have to be very clear on what that vision is and what the outcome should be, and you do everything in your power to get to that, that outcome. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> so I probably shouldn't say this that so we're not we're, we're kind of not past the, the watershed but we we used to kind of have the bullshit monkey but um if someone's just we'll that through, out on the recording <laughs> yeah good stuff um but if someone's kind of just going off on a tangent then they'll get get a monkey thrown at them but um yeah we don't do that anymore that was that was kind of real old school stuff no idea is a bad idea Adam <laughs> <laughs> I think I think people are People need to be a little bit more intentional and strategic with meetings. One, how many there are and whether you need it. You have to always have to question whether you actually need this meeting or whether it can be solved by a Slack chat or um, something else or whether um, the meeting just needs to be structured better um, and resolved quicker. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sort of strikes me as we've had this conversation that... Um, ultimately the sort of tenets of, of kind of uh, good leadership um, and good culture and um, 
good organizations, whether you're in a remote or a hybrid world or, or, or not, you know, they're, they're the same are true across. We need to just be sort of more intentional. We, we need to communicate well. We need to trust our employees, um, but also trust uh, our our organization you know it goes two ways and and listen um and, and learn and adapt um you know these principles whether you're in the office or, or not um still ring ring true so as we come to kind of wrap up um we've got uh, five more minutes um if there are any questions please do pop them in the the chat i have got one that's come through so i will ask that of you in the, in a moment um, but um, Adam, what kind of sort of final advice would you give to kind of business leaders that are listening today or HR professionals who are looking to embrace a kind of a hybrid approach or a remote first approach? Um, so I'd say first, first thing is actually have a very intentional strategy for your remote um, team. Um, make sure that you, you kind of go through what, what the benefit structure look like and just remember that working from home isn't a benefit. Um, that's not what I mean. I'm, I'm talking about how you make their working environment more um, comfortable and, and makes them more effective. Um, so having a very intentional um, remote strategy and, and HR policy as well. Um, I would say as well, being very, very strategic with your team on uh, asynchronous work setting that expectation that just because you send an email at nine o'clock doesn't mean that you expect a response at quarter past nine at night. It's, um, I've seen people build it into their email signatures for internal communication just to kind of set that expectation because everybody wants to work hard. Everyone wants to appear to work hard. So yeah, just, just be intentional and, and kind of communicate well with the team to actually just just set that asynchronous working model um and then the other thing is is just make sure that well-being is at the forefront of your mind um asking stuff um how they are um making sure that you get people together regularly um to be open and, and transparent and talk about things that aren't work related because that is what generates culture in in any environment work from home um work from the office um or, or hybrid thank you well that kind of leads quite nicely onto this this question that i've had in which is about um sort of boundary setting um you know we, we're still here and we've spoken about this and seeing a lot of overworking when when working from home at what point does it become the responsibility of the individual to set their own boundaries and any tips on communicating that? Um, I think, I think it's just, I think that there's a, there's saying you have to say something 10 times before it's fully understood. So I would just continually reiterate, there is not an expectation for you to work. I think it's quite easy to monitor um, how much work is being produced. It's also easy to monitor how much time someone's someone's operating as well. So I, I would say do two things. You rein, reinforce um, the, the need for time 
having proper lunch breaks because that's the other thing it's not just working longer it's taking shorter lunch breaks because it's more convenient go down make a sandwich and you're back at work in 10 minutes time so but that there are i mean there's there's proven cases for for working shorter and having bigger breaks being more productive just because you work solidly through doesn't mean the output's going to increase so reinforcing that with your team is important and also there are ways to track how long people are working and I think a lot of these tracking companies are popping up now because wow. there's an expectation, but I think that they're slightly wrong in their, their strategy. It's, they're looking at it as, um, I'm going to use this software to make sure my team are working really hard. That's not what they should be using it for. It should be to track who's working too much because they'll burn out. They'll, they'll your, your staff members will become frustrated. They'll, tire they'll they'll just not work effectively so I, i'd say if you're going to use tracking software you use it to make sure that it's number one primary objective is to make sure that your team aren't burning out not not to use it to spy or, or make them work harder or longer hours i love that it's always about the lens that we we, we are looking at these things through yeah. yeah okay so we are very much at the end adam of this talk it, it, it has whizzed by um <laughs> and we always end our, our podcast by asking our guests how they walk the talk when it comes to kind of managing their own well-being. So what are your three well-being um, uh, non-negotiables, we like to, to call them? Um, so three ways that you um, kind of prioritise and optimise your well-being. Um, so I mentioned one of them earlier, actually, is, is leaving my phone um obviously your, your business is on your phone um so leaving that behind leaving it downstairs um and having that separation of work and sleep sleep's very important for me at least um i think it's important for most people um the the other one is is kind of making sure that taking regular breaks and getting some fresh air every day i mean i i was probably the worst remote worker for for a number of years where i i was that person that just worked solidly through occasionally wouldn't go outside for four days <laughs> um that's that's a bad place to be so making sure that you you set time to to get out get some fresh yeah. air and, and walk and um one of one of them now is actually yours <laughs> which i stole it's kind of replacing that commute to work dance All right, no. no I can't dance um and, and yeah that, that probably won't ever happen but no they replacing the commute just yeah. going for a short walk and kind of having that stop start that kind of bookend to the day um I think is is something that I've I've started doing more and more um but yeah that's that's kind of those are my three and that there is a fourth but I, I I try not to work on weekends. I try to have a solid day, a whole day um, where, yeah, unless I have to. I mean, the events industry is kind of a little bit different in that regard. But, um, yeah, where I can, um, I don't work weekends. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for joining us today. It really has been a pleasure um, on a personal level, but also um, from a point of view. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you.